Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Duarte, he knows where the clock is, lets it fly and hits again. Halliburton at the buzzer, Captain Cooch with another one. Halliburton leaves it off for Batase. Go, go. Good job. Oh, what a move by Heald. He lays it in. Heald. Hotter than fist grease. Dropped it off to Jalen Smith with the poster. Jackson the catch. Jackson the basket. Come on, Miles. To Tyus. He does. Tied at 106. Washington again. Five of them. Pacers got the steal, outrunning his Brissette, pounds it home. It's it to Taylor, Taylor missed it, tips it in. Ball loose, Stevenson, Stevenson ties it with 1.6. Halliburton going to slam it at the other end. Hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden, for today's show. I'll be going one-on-one with the great Scott Agnes from the Fieldhouse Files, Scott joins me from the airport in Las Vegas as he is leaving summer league. He's been out there for the last about about a week. So, you know, I want to thank Scott so much for coming on. He's always great, great insight. We're going to talk about all things Deandre Ayton, Miles Turner. How interested were the Pacers in going after Miles Bridges? I think that's really interesting. Are there any other plays out there if the Deandre Ayton stuff doesn't come to fruition? Could there be another, you know, trade? Could there be some more free agents out there the Pacers could have interest in? Scott, Let's us know what is going on in Pacers world and maybe gives you some insight on what he's heard this week while being out there at Las Vegas. But once again, want to give you guys a head up the audio. There is some background noise every once in a while with, you know, him being at the airport. There was announcements made over the loudspeakers. So I do apologize in advance for that, but uh, it's still pretty good quality for, for being in an airport with bad spotty service. So Scott taking time out of his day to come on the show. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode and interview with Scott Agnes. All right, everybody joining us now on setting the pace live from the airport in Las Vegas. It's one and only Scott Agnes. Scott, thanks so much for joining me. You bet, Alex. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So there's obviously uh, been a lot that's happened this offseason. And the most important thing now is Pacer fans are just patiently and impatiently waiting to figure out what's going on with DeAndre Ayton. So I guess my first question for you is how determined are the Pacers in going after DeAndre Ayton? You mean you don't want to talk about the draft or summer league? <laughs> not not, no, not yet. We'll finish up with that. <laughs> yeah, this is the number one thing everybody seems to be talking about. I can tell you the Pacers are very interested in DeAndre Ayton. They've met with him. That was several weeks ago. They've talked with players about the consideration of adding him. They also talked with players about the consideration of adding other players as well. And so um, right now it's they're at an interesting spot here because – it's kind of like they're at the poker table and so is Phoenix and they have to consider the offer sheet. Do you 
go after a restricted free agent. Nope, there you go, the ambiance. I love that. <laughs> you have to decide whether you make that offer sheet or do you try to work in partnership with Phoenix to try to get it to swing a deal where both sides can win. Yeah, and, th- and that's kind of where I'm at with it all. I just, I'm just wondering, like, if the Pacers were able to create that max space, um, is the likelihood, in your opinion, that um, Phoenix would match it? Or, or do you think that you should, if you're Indiana, at least consider it and, and see if you can call their bluff? Yeah, I think you might want to give significant thought to doing the offer sheet, primarily because what we've seen externally, right? For one, we saw it with Jalen Smith. We saw where a player was unhappy with the situation, with his role, perhaps with players or management. That's pure, purely speculation. I don't know. You can just tell he didn't look happy in a situation and wouldn't maximize, I think. And so very much like Jalen, I think he, number one, wants to get paid, but secondary wants an opportunity to further maximize his skills. And so from the sun standpoint, do they want to really risk tying up probably 30 million of the cap space on Aiden, who is a center and capable center, but they're in championship mentality right now. They won't, they're, they'd probably be in the tax. That'd be something you'd have to be considering here. And also it seems like they were very comfortable proceeding with either spread lineups or, or using much less, lesser paid players handling that center spot. The trouble though, is can are they willing to lose him for nothing? Now, former number one pick, they passed over what Luka Doncic, even Trey Young, other players. Can you really let a former number one pick walk? As management, that would be very difficult for me. Yeah, I mean, I I can't imagine them wanting to let him walk. I do think what is interesting is if they do um, match the offer sheet, they can't trade until January fifteenth. And if the Pacers were smart and threw in all the, you know, 15% trade kickers, that would pretty much make him almost impossible to trade. So I, I think it'd be very difficult for them to move off of him if things aren't, you know, going well in Phoenix and he's unhappy there. But at the same time, um, you know, like you said, you can't lose that asset for nothing. And, you know, looking at players at assets, I know it's not like uh, the greatest thing to do, but it's kind of how you have to look at it. So let me ask you this, right, though, because right. I, I, I understand that, There's a lot going on right now. Donovan Mitchell, Kevin Durant, everything kind of feels like it's at a a stalemate. But I'm curious, I mean, do you think there's something bigger brewing here with Kevin Durant wanting to go to Phoenix and they're trying to make this a bigger deal where maybe the Pacers kind of just patiently wait and get involved in that, similar to what they did with the Karis LeVert trade between the Nets and the Rockets? Yeah, that part's a little bit unclear still to this point because only as of like a day or two ago of this recording would have been, been possible for them to sign Aiden to an offer sheet. And it is a very important thing. You mentioned it, I'll reiterate it. If you do sign him to an offer sheet and they match it, they can't trade him. So you you really need to have a good understanding of Phoenix's position as best you can. Um, and that's, that's why Intel guys are so very important to understand where they're at with all of that. Um, the, the thing here is it's not a lost cause. If for some reason the, the Suns did, if the Pacers did make that offer, and Phoenix did match it because I think right now it's a little bit like house money. The Pacers kind of read this situation. They didn't expect to maybe be in this position to have this opportunity, but you look around the league and there's just not cap space. And so this is one of the ways the Pacers can maximize their cap space and take advantage of a situation that really suits them here. um, When it comes down to it. Now, if it's part of a bigger deal, I, I have, I have not heard that just yet. I think that's more connecting the dots. 
And a lot of that is because Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and I've stayed away from trying to understand how they feel reckon, you know, that type of thing, even, you know, sources close to them, like they change their mind every two hours or yeah. every day or two. So I can't pretend to know, you know, the most recent thing is maybe Kyrie Irving would be comfortable staying. That seems more like a, a pivot point or a position that he could take to try to force the hand that try to force Brooklyn to be like, Ooh, I don't know if we want to run it back. We want to rebuild if that's their mindset. And so I, it seems like you can teeter both sides there. Um, but a bigger deal would make sense if they end up doing a sign and trade. However, I wonder what additional asset the Pacers would have to give up because you wouldn't, you'd hate to part with a first round pick or another player or, or even more when you could sign the guy to an offer sheet and risk it. Yeah. And that's, that's where it's at. It's like, if you feel like you really want him and, and you feel like, <laughs> you know, if you throw the offer sheet out there and they match it and you're going to miss out, you know, there, there are some cons to doing that because if you really want him, then you're going to miss out on him for the entire year. And I believe he can't be traded to the Pacers until the, the year is over. So once that January 15th expiration date hits, they still can't be, he can't, he can't be traded to the Pacers before the deadline. So that that's where it's interesting here. Now, let me ask you this because it feels like a sign and trade would make a lot of sense with Miles Turner being, you know, fits in perfectly into what the Suns can take back cap wise, but yeah, from what I've seen on Twitter and other things like that, it feels like Miles Turner is not some someone that the, the Phoenix Suns are really interested in. So do you think there's really no interest from Phoenix and Miles Turner? I have not heard, to be honest, completely yeah. clear. Um, I'm not sure what their stance is on Miles. What I do know is league-wide, the, the consideration for him is a little bit lower for obvious reasons. We haven't seen him since January. He's a big guy, and he hadn't finished the last couple of seasons due to injury. And he's in a contract here. However, what you do have with Miles is a situation that he believes he can somewhat have a role in this in his next destination if he does get moved because he'll be in a contract year. And so the team acquiring him, sure, they could repurpose him and move him again by the, the trade deadline here, I think. But you'd like, if you're acquiring him, to have real anticipation and, and knowledge that, hey, he'd be willing to sign here and and through back channels, we can kind of get to the right number here. And I'm not sure what that number is. The more people I talk to, it doesn't seem nearly as high. Like, I would guess. I haven't talked with him about it. I wonder, Alex, if he'd want more like 25, 30-type million, eight money right now that we keep talking about. Yeah. Um, sorry about this background noise. but <laughs> it's, it's, it's understandable. I mean, you're at the airport, so that's why I kind of threw it out there at the beginning. But, um, I mean, yes. it it does make sense that he would want that, but I just can't see the Pacers being, being willing to offer him that. Um, I mean, unless or, you or any team offering, yeah, that's you know, true. Are, are you willing to tie up 22 million, 23 million with miles right now on a four year deal? Is he going to finish that out and, and play, you know, over 50% of his games. That's what I would be curious if I'm a team that's going to offer him that because it just feels like um, the foot injuries, keep coming up for a reason and it's not like mm -hmm. he's you know it's not like it, coming out of high or college excuse me there was issues with his running right i mean i mean i just feel like there's I, I always think, i think that was overblown out i think, think the running okay. i think the running thing was not i mean it got it reached the point where the first agent even did studies on it that seemed a little <laughs> bit excessive i do yeah. from my understanding that didn't that wouldn't lead to this injury it's more of generally an overuse type injury and fortunately they caught it early yeah. um i don't so i do not 
tie the, those two together. Let's throw the injuries out. Let's say you know what Miles is, and we do because we've seen it really the last five or six years, with the exception of maybe he could produce a little bit more offensively if you called his number, uh, if he played more five out, things he was unable to do with Sabonis in particular. So maybe there's a little bit more there. The other consideration is, do you want to tie up that much money with a starting center? We just watched the finals where the, neither team had a true, true center in the lineup. So yeah. that's, that's one thing we're seeing the game evolve a little bit with more wing-friendly players. Yeah, that, that's, that's a good point. And I, I, I feel like with Turner, it's just one of those things where it feels like the writing is kind of on the wall with his time in Indiana. I don't know, but that's what it feels like to me. But, I mean, you've said it multiple times, the Pacers aren't actively shopping him. So how do you expect these negotiations slash rumors of Aiton to impact the long-term relationship of Indiana and Miles if a deal doesn't go down? Yeah, a little bit awkward, right? And all this, by the way, is going on or at least rumored and such. Well, he's not even in the country. He's down in Tanzania right now uh, working with Malcolm Brogdon's foundation and, and experienced in life. And good for him if he's been able to turn it off and block out the noise as he's alluded to a little bit on Instagram. He should. I've been telling him that for two or three seasons. Um, but there's some endorsement deals. And I know he really loves especially Instagram. So it's hard for him to stay off. But, yeah, I stand by. Pacers like Miles. They're not just looking to get away or move on from him by any means. Um, I would be curious what number they'd be comfortable offering a type of extension. Although I think from their standpoint, I, I think it's their position is that it's better off to wait and see what he looks like because uh, of all the factors we laid out there. He's entering a contract year. He's going to have a lot of motivation there um, that could only help further, you know, what he looks like and playing alongside Halliburton there. So that interests me uh, a ton, but the other awkwardness, here is i'm sure you've talked about it as well is that his agent is the same as deandre Ayton, who's in the middle of all this so that is um let's say complicated yeah yeah because he's trying to get the best for both guys and it's just an awkward situation because it's like the pacers already have a lot of centers on their roster so the fact that they're interested in you know mm -hmm. deandre Ayton, it just makes it even more confusing and you know i i heard you and caitlin and jake fisher earlier today and, and you guys and caitlin brought up a great point it's just like before, you know, there was that awkwardness when you did try to offer him to Boston for Gordon Hayward, but you kind of throw it out as, well, we were trying to, you know, get a power forward to go next to Sabonis and, and make our roster more modernized. But now basically you're saying we're trying to upgrade <laughs> and we don't think you're as good as Aiden. So that is kind of a slap in the face to a guy that's been faithful to this organization. But I'm curious on your end because I've heard mixed reporting from different people. I know Michael Scotto came on our show and said Miles wants to be in Indiana, but you know, Greg yes, Doyle. That's absolutely true. Okay. Cause Greg Doyle wrote an article a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about Kevin Durant, but in there, he threw in there that miles. Yeah. Turner don't even read Kevin Durant's not coming to Indy. Like I, what that are we doing? I get, but he also said in that article, I didn't even read it. I'm just, I heard this quote was shared with me, but basically miles Turner, he said, miles Turner would prefer a bigger market. I, I have not heard that besides anybody, but him, I just didn't know if that was true on your end. No. No, Miles would prefer an opportunity and stability and ultimately then to get his largest payday. Yeah, that's what matters to him. Um, I, I want to go back to something you said a little bit earlier. You said that, you know, that they've talked with the team or the players about, you know, adding some people. And, and obviously, Aiden was the one that you were talking about. But if they, if they strike out on an Aiden deal, are there any other cards to play here for the rest of the roster? Or would you anticipate this being the group heading into training camp? Yeah, I, I think for the most part, you could have 
most of this roster filled out. I mean, as we're talking right now, they technically have 19 guys on the roster. You can take 20 to camp and you need to trim down to 15 before the opening day roster. So um, there's not to say they don't have um, areas of need. Obviously, wing depth would be uh, would be very much needed. But I think they would probably maintain that flexibility and try to get in another deal. So let's say nothing happens with Aiton, but Durant is traded to X place. Maybe they could jump in as a third team and take on a, a $20 million contract that's expiring and open up even more for next offseason, things like that. This this summer for the franchise is all about, all about this flexibility. Um, I mean, that's why, for example, you push back Dwayne Washington Jr.'s contract date till Friday to have even more flexibility and not another guaranteed contract because his was not guaranteed not one dollar, whereas Terry Taylor, uh, about six twenty-five, six hundred twenty-five thousand of one point six was guaranteed. Um, so, I don't think anything is imminent right now with Aiton. Nor do I think um, there's an obvious next channel for them to go to if that does not pan out. Yeah, because I mean, really, the only bigger name free agent out there right now is Colin Sexton, and that was a name that was linked to the Pacers very early on. But I would be kind of shocked if they went after Colin Sexton, seeing how loaded they are at guard position. Yeah, I completely agree. They don't need help there. The only play for that would the only play there would be to use that as an asset, but I don't expect that at all. Yeah, and I I agree with that. And and one thing I was curious about because there were some also uh, there were also some rumors about Miles Bridges and the Pacers having significant interest in him. Obviously, with everything that went down with him, we know the Pacers pivoted there if they were interested. But from your standpoint, how serious were the Pacers about going after Miles Bridges? They definitely looked into it. They definitely had a lot of conversations about them. But yeah, of course, that went out the window uh, when what allegedly went down with, I think it's his wife, happened. Yeah. And I mean, he was due for a payday, my goodness. But beyond that, forget the basketball. Like he needs some consideration, some help, and things need to be adjusted in his life. But yes, the Pacers were looking into Miles Bridges, um, I would say, pretty seriously. Yeah, I was always interested because I felt like he would have made a lot of sense because of the position that he plays. But I got to I got to ask you this then, because they obviously brought Jalen Smith here to be the starting four. How would that have impacted things if they would have got Bridges? Would he have played the three? Is that kind of how you would have envisioned it, like a bigger lineup? Yeah, 100 percent. I view him as your wing where they really don't have much. And so um, this was a, this would have been a chance where they had this cap space and they could have used it on a guy like Bridges who, who has produced. But one thing. And I don't know him or know him very well, but think based on things I've heard, one of the concerns was kind of the, the the basketball IQ and the smarts and all that in terms of you know what they're adding with the roster, and that was that contrasted with what they've been about this Pacers franchise in their addition of players like we've seen over the last couple of years. We, they've added guys that can really make the right play and read plays like Nemhard, Matherin. Tyrese Halliburton, right? I, yeah. I think he was very different than that. However, he did produce, or does have, I should say, a unique skill set and would have been additive to this roster. And so that's why they were considering him, and it made made sense to. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think that uh, if it would have been realistic, it would have made a lot of sense. But um, I'm not upset with them for moving on. I think that's the right thing to do. And Absolutely. You know, I, I still believe DeAndre Ayton is the better talent overall as a player, but position and need-wise, I get why Bridges might have been more important. But I want to move on now, obviously, to the basketball hey, stuff. Last thing on that, the yeah, only yeah. thing I get hung up personally is do you want to invest, you know, 30 
$50.8 million, whatever that, if it is a max number on a center, that's the only thing that would hold me back from this Aiden deal. However, I think you would be able to move off that ton contract. I mean, we saw them move off of Malcolm Brogdon's, whatever, 23 million, um, yeah. just despite his health limitations. I don't think that's the biggest concern, but for me, from my standpoint, that big of number, he'd easily become the largest contract on the Pacers trumping Buddy Heald. But what we had seen previously was the Pacers in their uh, last several years with trying to get their top talent all about the same. 16, 17, 18, 20 was, was what Miles, Malcolm, TJ Warren, all those guys um, had against the cap. So this would be a sig- significant um, change if they did that. But they've also never had a number one pick and someone of that caliber. And a guy like this, I think I said it before, would not just choose the Pacers in free agency. So that's why if they could land him, it would be a huge bonus. Well, I just think it's a unique situation because exactly how, how many teams have cap space? Us and the Spurs basically right now to go out and get him. So, yep. you know, we could make a trade, obviously, to create that max space. We're not quite there yet. We're at $26.65 million. But with that being said, I mean, the Pacers don't usually have this situation. And then if you look at next year, which I know that it makes a lot of sense to have cap space for next year as well, but it looks like there could be up to 15 teams based off what Bobby Marks and Zach Lowe were talking about yesterday on their podcast, a low post. So I'm thinking you're talking about two teams versus 15. A, a small market's not going to usually get a name like this. And the cool thing about the Pacers right now is most of their core is on these rookie contracts, Scott. So they don't have to worry about all that money right now up front getting in the way. Oh, I know you got the Halliburton extension coming up soon, but you still got Duarte on on probably one more year plus to pick up the two options. Same with Mm -hmm. Ijax and those kind of things. And Matherin's just starting year one of his rookie deal. So this is where I think is the perfect time to pounce on a guy like this to get that max deal in play because it's not going to impact you as much as it would if you – basically had all these guys you had to pay next year you're two or three years away from really paying you know big extensions and by that point who knows what the cap's going to be yeah that's the thing is right now teams are optimistic coming out of the pandemic that it's going to continue to hike up and so uh i think you saw jalen brunson's deal de-escalated the pacers potentially could frame it that way i believe with Aiden if they wanted where Mm. it was not flat maybe you you know have it go down after each year i haven't looked into those specifics and also it's it's kind of guessing on the numbers that would be possible but that would be a couple considerations given because you're absolutely right they have a lot of cheap guys right now and if you could have that go down just as you're paying halliburton and paying some of the younger guys then it's another big plus for right for what you're doing right now and you get a little a little bit younger because Aiden's what 23 miles turner's 26 not a yeah. huge gap, but that fits the timeline a little bit more of basically the Pacers adding many 22 and unders. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think that overall fit-wise, I just think the Pacers need someone like Aiden who can be a lob threat. I know they have that in Isaiah Jackson, but um, I don't think Isaiah Jackson's ready to be a starter yet, in my opinion. So no. I, I think – No, I got, would agree. Yeah. And, and, we, it, and, we, and we heard Rick Carlisle talk about we got to have more action at the rim. We got to have more alley-oops. Aiton fits that bill, and I think that's something that it would, in my senses, would really interest Tyrese Halliburton, for example, too. Like, imagine having that with guys that along the perimeter could knock down shots and a, a handful of guys who could attack and play make. I mean, he's only going to open up the perimeter more with his low post threat. I mean, his yeah, just being able to score in the low post. I mean, not saying back to the basket type of thing, but just the pick and roll threat. That's huge because 
Turner's a pick and pop guy. I mean, you're having no real pick and roll, no downhill threats on this roster in terms of big man outside of probably Isaiah Jackson, if that's the case, if you don't get DeAndre. And so that's why I'm really high on him. But uh, we can move on from that. I do want to talk about the on-court play a little bit here. Don't want to get too deep into it. Obviously, it's just Summer League. But maybe give me like two or three of your biggest takeaways from Summer League so far. Yeah, hashtag, but it's just Summer League. Right? That's one of my favorites. Um, Matt, I, I think a lot of what we've seen, Alex, is exactly what I had expect. Matherin, for the most part, has been the most dominant player in all of the games, maybe the, except for one. Keegan Murray, certainly in the box score, uh, topped him, and the Kings got the win, which is more important in that standpoint. Um, but I thought especially in the third game, uh, which was a blowout win, that was everything you, you would love to see in this Pacers team. They led from the jump, pounced on them early, I think got up something like 11 nothing, and carried that on the rest of the game. Matherin, I thought, was a lot more, I shouldn't say confident, because that dude's extremely confident, but he was a lot more assured of himself and asserted himself, I thought, a little bit more. And that's to be expected, to try to settle in a little bit the first couple of games, figure out who Coach Norrit is and what he wants, and also these new two teammates who he had – been in a mini camp together for six practices in Indy, and that's it. So I really like that to be expected. And then Nimhard, I mean, his court vision, um, his ability to kind of run the offense and be the the quarterback out there. Uh, Ron Nord was talking many times about how he just empowered Andrew to to run the offense and call out the plays as he saw fit. And then Terry Taylor probably starting to be too good and, and too comfortable uh, in a good way uh, with summer league where. I probably doesn't need to play in the final two games. Isaiah Jackson, I thought he really showed to be an, an all-utility guy. He had those electric finishes at the basket, a lot of good blocks. I'm really liking just the variety of ways he was contributing. And Rod Norton was telling me last night that Isaiah Jackson, over the last two and a half weeks, has been the most has had the most impressive um, contributions and growth of any Pacer and what he's done over the last year. So that was very encouraging. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I thought that I thought Terry Taylor has looked like the best big in summer league so far for the Pacers. I know that the upside's probably a little mm-hmm. bit higher with Isaiah Jackson, but just like Terry Taylor, some of the shots he hit last night, putting the ball on the floor and hitting those little like six foot, eight foot floaters, I thought was really impressive. He's just a great offensive rebounder. I think we forget about how good he is at just having a knack for the ball. So I really like that. And I'll say Kendall Brown's been pretty impressive as well. I think he's improved every single game. And, and it's kind of cool to see these guys start to get comfortable out there and kind of understand what their role is and, and what they're doing. But I will say the biggest disappointment so far for me, I don't know if you feel the same way, has been Dwayne Washington Jr. Um, don't feel like he's really been that impressive. And I'm curious if that could have any implications or impact on his uh, on his contract that's still kind of looming out there as non-guaranteed. No, I would agree. And that was why I asked Coach Nord about that last night. I requested to talk with Wash, but I think Rick Carlisle pulled him aside and they walked out after the game and had a conversation and such. So I would agree with that. That, But I also, to his benefit, mentioned the fact that he's had he's gone back and forth with his role, right? He played off the bench in the first game. Then Duarte was uh, done for summer league. So he went in the starting lineup, then came off the bench. Then you throw Neesmith in there. So there's he didn't have a consistent role. Yeah. Um, and you really need him to knock down shots. He's a guy that can score in bunches. And if he's not doing that, then then you look to his decision-making. And there were some bad passes. Now, a lot of that you do – I feel like I'm making some excuses or caveats for him a little bit. But, you know, these are new players he's not familiar with. I looked at the 16-man roster, Alex. Ten of them 
are rookies, meaning these are their first games against NBA competition. So there is some of that. But to, to his credit, he's been incredibly vocal, incredibly supportive, and really helpful um, with that roster. I'm, what's cool about Summer League, especially when it's in the secondary gym, Cox Pavilion, which is what they've played the last couple games, these are the media seats we used to have. We're row one. And for the first game, I was next to the bench. And because the bench is standing up the entire way, I was able to watch him and hear him. And he was assisting or yelling at the officials and coaching them up. By the way, they're trying to earn a spot in the NBA as well. Um, when one of, the, one of his teammates was yelling at an official, he kind of translated. He was like, hey, look, he's just pointing this out. Take a look at this next time. So there are so many good things behind the scenes and, and team huddles and a practice that Dwayne is doing good. But there's no doubt, you're right. So far, what he has showed has been a little bit underwhelming. And maybe he's pressing a little bit. I, and that would be understandable too, Alex, because yeah. he sees Terry Taylor's contract get, get picked up. His was supposed or could have been, I should say, July 6th. They agreed to move it back for flexibility. Um, I think a lot of that probably ties in a little bit with DeAndre Ayton. If they needed a contract, um, that that would be one spot they could consider. The other thing is they're just so guard heavy. Yeah, that's what that they have to, me to re- too. They they also have to reevaluate like how are they going to make this work? And I don't think he'll stick. But even a guy like Nick Stauskas, like technically they guaranteed his contract. Do you take a flyer on him for the money that you're already paying him versus? Washington who doesn't have that guaranteed money those are all the different things that play into it yeah and I think what's interesting too about you know Dwayne it's just like I've I've had a couple of the guys come on the show with us and talk with us and they all talk about how just you know infectious and a great personality he is and how awesome he's been for the team and he's real funny and just like such a good glue guy so you wonder if that would have any you know impact on maybe some of the team chemistry that they've developed throughout the summer so that's one thing I've kind of kept my eye on as well, just because, I mean, it's from Isaiah Jackson to O'Shea to even Lance, like they all loved him. So um, absolutely. Yeah. He's kind of been the leader, I would say outside of Tyrese for this summer, kind of yeah. that glue guy, like you said, good point. Yeah. So that, that to me is why I could see them wanting to keep him, but uh, it is interesting because if they do want to create that max space, they could technically, you know, wave him and then wave and stretch the three guys they brought in uh, in that Celtics trade that were kind of like the add-ons there with Malik Fitz Nick Stauskas, and of course, Jawan Morgan. So that would give them enough room there to offer a max contract to DeAndre Ayton. But with that being said, I, I want to stay in Vegas here, Scott. You're obviously in the airport, but you've been there for a few days. I'm curious, what who's the most famous person you've had a conversation with in Vegas? Most famous, huh? I'll tell you what, man, I love it out here because there are so many conversations <laughs> I've had. With. Your audience will love the fact that great long conversation with Damo uh, last night on my way out. I saw Orlando Johnson and Brandon, his best friend, um, Jason Buckner, the Pacers, former uh, scout who's with the Pistons. So, so ran into him yesterday. Um, Mark few. I, I'll have a one-on-one conversation with him about Andrew Nemhard. And I was told by one of the beat writers that he, he's not a very good interview. Doesn't do a ton of interviews. Doesn't like him, but it does make sense. And I appreciated him willing to talk about Andrew. Um, but it's probably be maybe perhaps Mark Few outside of the NBA world. Okay, that's interesting, man. I know that uh, I saw your uh, your Instagram stories, and I thought it was pretty cool to see maybe some of the places you'd gone to eat to. But um, with that, oh yeah, those are, those are a good time as well. <laughs> yeah. So, are are you hanging out with the team at all? Are you going out with the coaches, uh, the front office, or is that all just like friends and media friends that you've made throughout the years? 
No, that's that's not paces related. I've tried I try to give them space, not stay at the same hotel, anything <laughs> like that. Um, You're not stocking so, them, are you? <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure they're having fun and and enjoying Vegas as they should a little bit. So no, that's that's a combination of friends, of agents, of other personnel on other teams, that type of thing. Yeah, I, I thought it was great when Rick Carlisle was on the uh, the broadcast last night with Greg Anthony, and so many Pacer fans on Twitter were freaking out with everything that he said. They're like, "Oh, he's he's just had my eyes at the blood." What was the highlight? Because obviously, I wasn't listening. <laughs> so basically, like Greg Anthony's like, "So you guys, you know, could be rumored to go after some big names," and he was like, "Uh huh," you know, like <laughs> didn't really say much. And then he talked about Miles Turner being the greatest shot blocker in the world, which we've heard him say like five other times throughout. I was going to say he's been saying that all year. I know. And the people are like, well, with him saying that now, there's no chance they're trading him for eight and they're not going after eight. And he, he loves Turner. I'm like, y'all are funny. And then he talked about how Tyrese Halliburton is attracting free agents to want to come play in Indiana. And so then people thought, oh, is he talking about eight? And so it was, it was quite hysterical. I just couldn't believe people were really, uh, I, I could believe, but I was just laughing at how many people were overreacting to what he said, because I mean, what is he going to say? Like, is he going to throw miles under the bus? <laughs> he can't do that. Right. I mean, it's just, it's just funny to me, but Last one here is since you're in Vegas, technically still, if you had to throw a percentage on it, what percentage would you give the Pacers chances of acquiring eight? Oh man. I'm, I'm doing, oh. I'm putting you on the spot. I don't know. It feels, it feels like 70. I'll Ooh. go with 70. But then again, people who know me hate it. No, I hate this stuff. So I know you I'll do. go with 70 though. <laughs> That's better than uh it's better than uh anything below 50. So uh, it's a I will say this. I put I think I put Jalen Smith's chances of returning at 20%. So uh, what do well, I know? And that I, was fascinating to me. I think they I were said able 35. <laughs> but okay. You're but still yeah. a little bit higher than I am. Yeah, I, I don't know what I feel with Aiden. I feel like there's something going on, obviously. I think if they wanted to offer the max sheet or an offer given the offer, they would have done it already. I feel like they would have made moves to do it, whether that's offload Goga somewhere or do what I talked about earlier, waving some guys, stretching some guys, whatever. But I don't know. I feel like there's something brewing that we're just going to have to be patient and we'll see when it happens because they got all, all all summer, I guess, to figure it out. But um, yeah, there's also, there's a lot, there's, there's a lot going on right now. So that's the other thing where why and because there's not a lot of bidders that plays in the Pacers factor, they don't have to rush into it. But remember like front entire front office was out here in Vegas. His agent was out here in Vegas. Um, uh, I don't know. There's between the summer league team, between some of those deals they've already done between waiting on Brogdon's deal to get done and not having to be in a hurry. That's all plays in the Pacers favor. Yeah. And I, and I think what was interesting too, like Rick said this on Friday night during the Pistons broadcast, he basically just said, it's easier for deals to get done out here because you can have face-to-face conversations instead of telephone conversations. So I do think that will have some of somewhat of an impact, just being able to be out there, like you said, talk to these guys face-to-face and, and, and kind of get a better feel for what's going on, Scott. But um, other than that, I know you talked about it on your podcast with uh, Jake and Caitlin. You do have a one-on-one with Kevin Pritchard that'll be out soon on the Fieldhouse Files. Uh, any teaser besides that that you want to give us on that? Yeah, sure. I thought, I thought the, one of the more interesting things was because I wanted clarity on the, the offer sheet. And this is what we keep talking about. And he, he, did, he offered a thought that, that they'd be, it seemed like the door was open, that they would be willing to go after a restricted free agent, which is something they've only done once in team history. And that was for Chris Copeland, a guy who the New York Knicks couldn't match. So they knew assuredly they would not get into a bidding war. And this all adds to a story I'm going to write here. Whenever I can uh, find some time and, 
and jump off the uh, <laughs> the plane here and, and be done with that is the her and talking with a handful of us reporters in December. This was a question I asked about: is that deal with Malcolm Brogdon and you know why did you feel compelled to add an extra pick and, and get into restricted free agency? Not do that, I should say, and do more of a sign and trade. And he continued with the theme of hey you know, and NBA owners, especially small markets, we're in this together. I don't want to get in a bidding or I don't want to, you know, make a fellow owner have to pay more for a, a player because of me. So that's, that's an, a very a gentleman thing to do, but also you got to remember there's competition here. So maybe you got to make exceptions to the rule. And Kevin seemed to suggest that they would be willing to consider that um, a change from where the team has been. So that's notable. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm excited to read that. I think you do a great job, and I appreciate you getting that one-on-one with KP because I think Kevin Pritchard is somewhat, uh, you know, he's uh, very compelling when he talks, and you want to listen. I know there's times when he can't talk in circles to try to avoid answering the question completely, but I, I do always enjoy listening to him talk. And you know, one thing I was kind of thinking, just you know, looking at looking back at everything, the Pacers have done really uh, done a really good job at winning trades overall, and so you have to wonder if that does play a factor in them trying to make deals because if, you know, if you're a team like Phoenix, you know, <laughs> looking at this Aiton situation, like, well, it's like Indiana, you know, wins another trade. You got to be smart with who you're dealing with and try to figure out what, what makes sense. But I wonder if that could hurt the Pacers and negotiations, knowing the success they've had and, and making deals that have benefited them. Yeah, no, I, I think they've done a really nice job with trades, especially here over this past year. That's one area you got to give them a lot of, a lot of credit with. And so um, we'll see how this whole thing shakes out. But I know this is one of the biggest topics inside the media room was DeAndre Aiden and the Pacers. And, and right before that, it was, what's the hang up with this Brogdon deal? Because that was highly unusual. And ultimately, it was just waiting on his physical and, and nothing else came of that, which was not, not surprising. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So, all right, Scott, well, I won't keep you any longer. Thank you so much for hopping on and, and joining me to talk about this whole situation and the, the, the Pacers in general. So you do a great job. And everybody, if you aren't already, make sure you follow him at Scott Agnes and, and subscribe to his Substack at the Fieldhouse Files. And, and how much are uh, how much is it to subscribe, uh, Scott? Yeah, just five bucks a month or 50 per year. So not too shabby at all. There you go, guys. Not not too shabby at all. So, uh, Scott, <laughs> thanks so much, and we will uh, talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks, Alex. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.